0: G'day and welcome to CyroPod. I'm Glenn Paul. As you've probably noticed, computers generate a lot of heat, which is why the little fan keeps spinning away in your PC and your legs get hot when you rest a laptop on them for an extended period. A supercomputer, with its thousands of packed-together processors at work, generates heat at a far greater level, requiring technology such as liquid cooling to keep it operational. This is how Australia's largest supercomputer, the Palsy Centre Supercomputer, currently under construction in Kensington, South Perth, will be cooled, but with one significant difference. The process will be geothermal, meaning groundwater will be pumped into the cooling system. Joining me on the phone to discuss the geothermal project is UWA professor working at CSIRO, Professor Klaus Rigenauer-Lieb. Klaus, just how hot do these supercomputers get?
1: Well, the actual chips get very hot. They can vary in their tolerances. I had a supercomputer that was actually switching off at 45 degrees. Modern computers can tolerate much higher temperatures. And indeed, there is an idea and already a prototype where the heat of the supercomputer can be used to heat houses to beneficial use. But this is just prototype. So at the moment, we are still having to reject the water.
0: Okay, so you've got pipes running through the system. Are they large pipes or small pipes that get right in amongst the processors and so on?
1: Well, there are two different systems. One system is basically a system where a dielectric fluid is surrounding the whole board, not just the chips, the whole board. And the heat is basically being carried away through convection in that fluid. And then the heat outside is exchanged with another heat exchanger. So that's a system that is on trial. But most supercomputers are basically just putting small pipes of water over the chips, hopefully sealed, and then the heat is then brought to another heat exchanger where In our case, for instance, we are just rejecting 30 degrees heat, so we push in 20 degrees cold water, and at the other end of the pipe, there is 30 degrees coming out, so it has to be cooled back to 20 degrees.
0: So you can't just put a big fan in the room and blast the computer with cold air?
1: The problem with new generation supercomputers is that they get more and more dense and they create more heat in very small areas. So one rack produces for instance now 63 kilowatts of power and heat output and that is actually too hot for cooling with air you have to physically put a tornado through so that's why supercomputers now change to a good old technique that was used way back and that's water cooling
0: how do you cool the water down that comes out of the ground obviously it's going to be warm do you use a cooling tower
1: The classical solution for this 20 degrees would be either a cooling tower or a refrigerant cooling system that actually maintains a temperature. So each supercomputer has its own temperature that it wants to reject heat at. It starts at 20 degrees, so they seem to be moving to higher and higher temperatures, as I said, up to 60 degrees already. But at the moment, we're still living with 20 degrees as a requisite. Now, the good thing is that the ground underneath our feet here in Australia has an average temperature over the year of 20 degrees, and that average temperature is reached at 15-metre steps. So we could use the ground as a very efficient sort of battery, thermal battery.
0: Now, I understand that in the past, only chilled water could be used for this process. Why has this changed?
1: Ah, That's basically because the chilled water was required to provide cooling for air. So the chilled water needs to have around about a temperature of 7 degrees. This was then used to basically cool air, and the air was funneled through the supercomputer. So it's just the air-cooled supercomputer. And the 7 degrees has to be taken because of two facts. One is basically if there's moisture in the air... You need to go below the dew point, so all the moisture will condense on the chilled water fins, so you will actually not have moisture on the chips. That's one component. The other one is basically air isn't a very efficient coolant, so you need much colder environment to
0: actually transfer the heat. Well, I imagine getting water into your $80 million supercomputer wouldn't make for a good day. How, yes. how much water then will this system save on the regular water supply if you just had to draw the cooling water out of the tap?
1: So the cooling water out of the tap would normally go through a cooling tower. That cooling tower would basically reject wastewater into the sewage system and also evaporate water. So you can't recycle the water through the cooling tower forever. And you do chemical treatment of that cooling tower as well to avoid legionella diseases. So this system replaces the cooling tower, and it saves 38 megalitres, so 38.5 million litres of water per year, which is on the order of 15 Olympic-sized
0: swimming pools, that is actually otherwise wasted. Fantastic. The computer is being built to support the world's largest ever radio telescope, the Square Kilometre Array. How powerful will the computer be, and when is it expected to come online?
1: It's actually um, almost coming online as we speak so we will have the first celebration I guess in the middle of the year, so very soon. The first equipment will arrive then. The building is finished. It looks really nice and all the uh, cooling works are going to come online very soon as well. So by October, November we'll expect the first benchmarks of the supercomputer. We'll have to first install all the software and make sure that everything works then it will be coming online. But recall, this is only a 1% solution of the full square kilometre array. This is only the servicing, the 1% solution. So what you can expect is a much bigger supercomputer in the future when the full square kilometre array comes online.
0: Wow. And uh, how powerful is this one in supercomputer terms?
1: Oh, it's actually going to be amongst the top five in the world, so it's on the order of 100,000 cores. So it is not the top supercomputer in the world, but it is actually quite powerful. It is actually a computer that puts Australia from being behind New Zealand in terms of supercomputer power to way ahead of New Zealand, so amongst the
0: world leaders in supercomputing. can't have that being behind New Zealand. (laughs) Well, this is only due to the
1: Lord of the Rings, of course. I mean, uh, all the supercomputers that have congregated in New Zealand were basically made for movie-making, so...
0: Well, they are good films, but maybe our computer will prove to be more precious. Thank you very much for chatting with me today, Klaus. My pleasure. Professor Klaus Riegenauer lee And to find out more about the research or to follow us on other social media, just visit www.csiro.au.